Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Precision Health Pod, where we talk to the people building and experiencing the future of health. Today, we have Matteo, uh, CEO and co-founder of Eight Sleep, the world's first sleep fitness company. Welcome, Matteo. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Excited to have you here and, and get the lessons learned. Um, let's get started by talking a little bit more about you and uh, your background and why you uh, started Eight Sleep. Yeah, um, I used to be a, an athlete. I was a tennis player originally when I was a teenager. Um, then I became a, a business lawyer in the early days of my career. And then I started two companies in clean tech, one in Europe, one in the U.S., and then uh, is the, and then I finally started Eight Sleep in 2015. Um, I started Eight Sleep because again, um, I'm I'm really into recovery. Uh, the past as a, as an athlete uh, meant a lot to me, and I you know that is when I really learned about the importance of sleep and recovery. And so I started wondering why Elon Musk is taking me to Mars, but I still spend a third of my life on a piece of dumb foam. Why there is not technology in a third of my life? And so uh, with my co-founders, we decided to to build that technology. So you started in law, went to solar, and now you're in health tech. Anything you learned in kind of your prior life in the, the law and solar that prepared you better to found Eight Sleep? In law, a lot, because I was working at two very large law firms. Uh, so think of that like with the equivalent of... Uh, investment banking or consulting. And so you work long hours, you work really hard, uh, you need to be very detail oriented. And so it gives you a lot of discipline, uh, which combined with my sport experience, it, I think it, it, it built a foundation. Um, that the first two companies as an entrepreneur is when I really learned about uh, the ups and downs of startups, uh, the hiring, um, the, the early stage of fundraising. Um, and then when I started Eight Sleep, I think I had a, a 360 degree view, uh, still far from, from hopefully what I know today, but at least I had the foundation. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's jump into those early days. We know now you raised over $150 million from some of the top investors um, around the globe. But what, what was it like to say, all right, I'm starting this company? And then where did you go from there? Yeah, when I look back, when we started, we were... And I say it in a very positive way, very naive. And so, okay, there is no technology in a third of your sleep. Yes, Max, my co-founder can build the prototype in next week or so, and then we can test it with friends. Um, so we didn't incorporate, it's not that we were thinking, oh, we are going to build this, this Tesla sleep. Um, we just started building stuff. And then one little step at a time, you know, you, you, you keep raising your bar. And so the first step was build a prototype. The second step was to do a pajama party with some friends and get the first feedback. And then the, the second, the third step was to launch a crowdfunding campaign. And the fourth step was to go to YC and a seed round. And so each step unlocks a larger vision. But then in 2017, is when we we really fully design the current vision. So back then I wrote a memo that is the one that I sent to Keith Rabois, who at the time was at Cosla Ventures, about what we want to build. Um, and that is when we got uh, the money from Cosla Ventures. And we still use that memo today to explain to new employees where we are going and what we are going to build. Definitely. 
And in terms of that vision, so you all just launched pod three, it's the third generation started with the cover and then pod one, pod two, where are you going? What's the, what's the vision for what sleep fitness looks like in five, 10 years? Yeah. So sleep will change a lot and it will change in two dimensions. On one side, technology will help you improve your sleep performance. So technology will optimize your sleep, which is what the pod already does today right by using our technology you fall asleep faster you get up to 19 percent more deep sleep 32 percent more sleep quality and so on at the same time your bed or any technology that you install onto your bed um, will become medical grade and they will be able to track and measure cardiovascular diseases <coughs> respiration diseases like sleep apnea and much more so in the future, we have so much space in a bed that right now is wasted. It's just pieces of dumb foam. But uh, this foam can be replaced with a lot of sensors and technologies that can save your life. Definitely. And it seems like when you started, there was a large number of competitors who were kind of looking at how do we change sleep, not from a technology standpoint, but from a direct-to-consumer experience standpoint. Um, and there's been an inflection point where they're kind of leveling out and you're scaling up really quickly. Do you have any kind of thoughts or insights into to why that's happening? Is it the market? Is it your tech? How are you thinking about that? I think it's all about the technological mode. For us, we have always been a, a tech company since day one, right? I think where these guys innovated was they kept the dumb phone the same, but they changed the experience, the purchase experience, making it more convenient. But because there was no mode, then other people figure out that there was a business. And then from two players in the field, they became 100, 150, 200, 300, and it became just a war price. Um, in our case, we have engineers from Apple and then, uh, all the top companies, top tech companies in the US. We don't have foam experts. We don't have one single foam expert at Eight Sleep. And the reason is we build a, a, a sensor layer that you can install on top of any mattress. And what you buy from us is the technology. Developing this technology in the early days was really painful because hardware is painful. It requires a lot of money. It requires time, a, a lot of um capabilities in terms of team from operation to manufacturing and everything else but once you get to a point where you have a product in the field then by then you have a technological mode where it becomes really hard for other companies to come in and copy what we are doing definitely and it seems like consumers are also getting much more interested in having access to their health data overall and so having that having spent that time building that technology the the market um tailwinds have also been very helpful it seems like on that um Obviously, as you said, hardware is hard. Uh, tech is hard. Combining it with a direct consumer facing business um, is probably even harder. Uh, as you look back at the past, I guess, seven years now, um, what are the biggest lessons you've learned? Many. Uh, <laughs> more than what I expected. Um, at the end of the day, what I learned oversimplified is it's all about people. People really makes a difference is something that we hear all the times. But I don't know, even recently in the past three, four months, we hired a couple of people in, in certain areas of the company and they completely 10x that dimension of the company. Um, and so finding the best people on earth to solve the most important problems for the company is, a, is key and is a key part of my job. That is one. Second, um, 
having the courage to do less is often more valuable than doing more, right? When you're a startup, even at our size, when you're 100 people, you can do very few things. If you try to do too many things, you will just do all of them yeah, um, in, in a quite poor way. And the last one is the, the importance of the product and the unit economics. I think a lot of D2C companies uh, um, in, in, in certain stages of their growth, they were pushing maybe too hard on their growth marketing strategy to try to accelerate top line revenue. I, our board has always pushed back in that direction. They still wanted us to grow, but to grow in a very healthy and efficient way. And I think now we are seeing the results of that. And part of that is also because people really like the product. And so invest more money into the product than in marketing because it will pay off through word of mouth. Yeah, it's almost like you were doing product-led and community-led growth on the consumer side before anyone was talking about it. Um, and I'm sure, especially now in today's market, it's really paying off as you guys think about kind of going forward. Yeah. Um, turning from the lessons, do you have one or two moments where that really stand out as a as a founder, your kind of favorite experiences as you've built Eight Sleep? Um, I mean, I think positive. It has always been a matter of validating a new stage for the company. And usually that tends to happen with fundraising rounds. And the reason is simply not because you get the money, not because of the valuation or all the fancy stuff. It's just because it means you have hit a certain inflection point. And so step one was for us being admitted to Y Combinator. And to get there, we, we, we got uh, admitted after two rejections because we uh, had a very successful crowdfunding campaign. Then we started shipping, we started growing, uh, we define our vision for the future of the company. And then is when Keith and Kozla Ventures invested, you know, so all the times Founders Fund came after we launched uh, pod one. And so we were able to prove that we were able to ship the product that we all wanted. The product was in the market, it was doing really well and they invested. And then last year, there was another round led by Valor Equity Partners, which was the first investor in Tesla. And they tried the product. We were with already in the market with Pod 2. And I think they have seen in us something that they, they saw in Tesla in the early days. And so this kind of validation is something that, you know, for me and for the whole team is really important. Then another big one was the first life that we saved. Um, a few months ago, I received a message from one of our customers who said, I just wanted to let you know that you, you guys saved my life. Um, I was not feeling well. I looked at my metrics on my eight sleep pod. I saw that they were all over the place. I went straight to ER. Um, I got the surgery and the surgery saved my life. Um, and so I think these are the kind of things that really move the needle. Yeah, especially when you're building in health in general. And I feel this too. It's everyone's really yes you're looking to build a business yes you're looking to grow but it's a lot about impact too so hearing stories like that is is great that's uh very very impressive and i'm sure a great day as a founder um looking at or, or talking a little bit more about the people we do hear that all the time the people always matter um how do you think about hiring like what are the qualities that you're looking for in the in the folks that are joining your team um a couple of different things so first we have um an operating playbook with the uh, five key things that we we look for into everyone working at day sleep, including myself. One is what we call clarity of thinking, so the ability to um, 
have a clear idea of what you need to do in what order, so your priorities. Second is operational excellence, so people that are able to do more with less. I'm not the type of CEO who wants to have a thousand people working at eight sleep unless we really need a thousand people. Can we do the same with hundred people? I would be happier. Um, the third is velocity. I always think that the, the pace of innovation is what makes the difference between a startup and a, and a large company. The fourth is what we call talent magnet. So this ability to attract the top 1% in what we need, right? You have a certain problem, find the top 1% person who can fix that problem. And the last one is bar raising. So I'm coming from sport. Um, I'm never happy, right? I always want more um, in everything we do. Um, so I, I always push my team at the end of each quarter to reflect on where did we improve? What are we able to do today? We were not doing three months ago. And what are we going to do in the next three months to keep raising our bar? Yeah. All of that makes sense. And it all plays into how do you innovate faster? How do you scale quicker and do it efficiently, which it sounds like you guys are doing a great job on. Uh, well, flipping flipping the um, script a little bit, talking more about you specifically. So you live and you breathe sleep. What is your sleep routine? How do you think about it? Yeah, I go to sleep around 10, 1030 at the latest, or more 10 uh, p.m. And then I wake up anywhere between 6 and 7. So I sleep at least eight hours but I tend to sleep uh, closer to nine. Um, and then I'm a kind of a fitness and health geek. So then I fast all day. So usually I have one meal per day. I train almost every day. I do sauna and cold plunge and I'm on a keto diet. So I try to optimize everything in my life, but the, the, the foundational part is really sleep. Is there anything that you've tried to optimize sleep that hasn't worked for you? Um, there are things, right? Like I tried a bunch of supplements, uh, very few of those work for me. Um, I tried, um, uh, the, the lights, orange lights, those work for me. Uh, they, they, they help me quite a bit. Um, but at the end of the day, there is nothing like thermoregulation, which is yeah. what we do and also consistency. So really training your body to go to sleep at the same time and waking up at the same time. Definitely. So you mentioned all of the other stuff that you do for your health. What else are you tracking besides the metrics that you are able to track with eight sleep? Yeah. So obviously in general, with and without eight sleep, I track HR, um, heart rate at rest and the HRV, heart rate variability. Um, I look, uh, obviously I'm at my weight and, and I know when I'm not at peak performance or not, I track uh, VO2 max, uh, to see, um, also that, that type of metric. And uh, now I'm exploring other things to track, uh, uh, like uh, uh, doing MRIs. There are some new startups that offer MRIs for consumers. Um, there is also another specific device that uh, helps you analyze the percentage of fat in your body in a very sophisticated way. And the other thing I did in the past was I use uh, CGMs, so continuous glucose uh, monitor devices, which help me fine tune my diet and understand what I can eat and what I shouldn't eat uh, based on glucose spikes. Definitely. I'm, I have one on right now, actually. Uh, it's a, yeah. I do it a couple of times a year just to make sure everything's normal, but also kind of redial in what's balanced, what's not, um, but super helpful. Is there anything that you wish existed that doesn't exist today in terms of tracking or products related to health? Um, I think, for example, the, the glucose monitoring is really important 
it's just sometimes annoying to always install it. It's fine, but it's not great. And so if I could just literally have you not know, 365 days uh, of data just with my Apple Watch, that is one. The other one is what we are working on, which is I still cannot accept the fact that sometimes people discover they have a cancer and, they, and it's too late. Right. There are certain type of cancer, like pancreatic cancer, that if you discover them very early, you have a 90% chances to survive. But if you discover them late, you have 90% chances to die. Um, and so one of the things we want to do at ASLEEP, we are exploring technologies for full body scanning. Um, and my whole vision is, you know, you have eight hours in this position every single day. What better place do we have to scan your body every single day to detect early signs of any sort of illness? could be cancer, could be kidney stones, it could be cysts. And so uh, that is what I want to fix. Uh, we need some time, uh, mainly because of the size of the company and the priorities, but the technologies exist. And so it's possible and we could save millions of lives. Definitely. How does that play a role if people are like moving around while they're sleeping? If obviously if someone's in one place, it's a lot easier than if they're yeah. flipping around. You don't need the whole night at the end of the day, right? So um, if you just use or when people are in the REM phase, which is when you're dreaming and you're standing still, your body is completely de deactivated, so you're not moving. Um, you use just that time and you have multiple REM phases in a night. You have four to five times. Um, so you can just use that time and to completely scan your body. Um, or there are other technologies where even if you're moving, it's not really a problem. Definitely. That makes sense. And then thinking kind of more holistically, you're an angel investor. You're also on Forbes Technology Council. What do you think health and wellness looks like in 10 years? Is it people using technologies like what you just described and com combining it with physicians? Or how do you envision that world to look? Yeah. The, the first biggest change is, I think, until now, there were some consumer devices that were mainly for early adopters to track some crazy metrics. And then there are medical-grade devices with uh, for people that have certain type of diseases. These two things, they will merge, right? And so your Apple Watch, your eight sleep, they will become medical-grade devices. And you will start having certain type of data uh, and information about your body um, available all the time which then means you will be able to share it with your doctor anytime. So doctors, they will understand how not to look at this data and probably detect a certain type of diseases earlier. But it could even not be a disease, but simply how you're aging, right? Your heart rate today is different from your heart rate in three years from now. How are you comparing to similar peers? And how is this trend going? Did, did it accelerate in a, the wrong way in the past two years? If so, why? Um, and the other thing is, I think a lot of diseases will be caught much earlier. Cardiovascular diseases will be the first ones that will be solved because companies like us and Apple, we are already extremely accurate at detecting that. The second big st step will be um, respiration, which is apnea. And I think the third is the one that we want to tackle at its sleep, where it's full body scanning. Definitely. Uh that sounds like a, a world in which I want to live in and a reality that we're building towards too. It sounds like it's definitely it's going to be much more data driven, much more personalized. Um, 
and hopefully greater impact on helping people get sick less and spend less money on on healthcare and have more money and more health span to do what they love, um, which is really ultimately what a lot of us, I think, are building towards. Uh, as you look at your career overall, are there any professional mentors that you um, really look to um, as you think about building a sleep? Um, yeah, I mean, there are many people that have been super helpful. Um, some are uh, our board members uh, that have been extremely valuable. But I think what you learn um, is that everyone has a certain type of strength. And so you need to create almost different buckets and based on the type of problem, you can go to this bucket or to that bucket. And so sometimes it's board members for certain topics, some other for other things could be other CEOs that are just two years ahead of us and they have seen similar things. Um, and for other things, it could be third parties, it could even be friends that have a detached view uh, of the world uh, and maybe they're not even in tech, you know. And so you need to be smart at bouncing ideas with all these different people and understanding where you want to go based on the topic. Definitely. And is there any advice that you would give to yourself starting out in that kind of first big law job, um, looking back, back on where you started? No, I, I would just say keep working as hard as you do, keep pushing, because I, I think if I went from not living in a, in a small town, uh, medieval, middle ages town in um, in Italy to where, where I am today, it's just because I, I always try to do my best. Uh, and you fail many times, but if you succeed once, then you do a little step. And then if you succeed another time, you do another little step. Um, I was, I didn't speak English until when I was 23 years old. Uh, and, and today I am lucky to lead the team in, in the U.S. and to live in America. So. Yeah, definitely. How has, um, working in Italy versus working in the U.S., founding company in the U.S. been? What are the key differences? Um, I really like it here uh, and, uh, because of my mentality, I try to be very efficient and straightforward. I think that uh, doing business in America uh, fits me better. Um, in Italy, it's still great, but everything I think is a bit more um, probably relaxed because of our habits. And so I love to go back to Italy or to Europe for, for vacation. Uh, that's the best place in the world but for business. I like it here. People are efficient, are always on time. They're very straightforward. It did not, if you have a hard stop, there is just a word, I have a hard stop, sorry, I have to go. In Italy, you can't do that, right? It will look like kind of rude. And <laughs> so everything becomes more complicated. And then obviously the whole system here, first there is more money from VCs because then companies grow, they go public, they do exits. And so money is around, while instead it's much harder to raise money in Italy and in Europe in general, but particularly in Italy. And then the whole system, the, the, the public system is way more efficient, right? If you want to incorporate a company here, it's a pretty straightforward procedure that you can do online. I'm not sure you can do the same in Italy. I think you need to go to the notary and there is a bunch of paperwork. Definitely. Yeah. It sounds like from kind of how you think about hiring and valuing efficiency and innovation that it sounds like this environment is is definitely kind of a way to allow eight sleep to thrive but you are expanding internationally um how has that been where are you guys now outside of the us and how are you thinking about the global expansion yeah we're canada australia uk and multiple um, countries in uh, europe um so we launched recently 
in in UK, Australia, and Europe, and um, we keep growing. So far, the, those markets are working really well for us. Uh, now it's a matter of scaling them. Yeah, that's great. I'm, it must be feel proud to kind of start in the U.S. and then be able to expand closer closer to home. Um, awesome. Well, I know you're you're definitely a thought leader. You're more of a public persona in in the world of health tech. Is there any um, kind of misconceptions or things that people um, don't really know about you that that would be helpful helpful to know about me specifically? Yeah. Um, I I I don't know what that could be. I I, um, I just try to do my best. I, I try to take care of our customers when I can. Obviously, you're never perfect, so you can always do a better job. And so uh, I would say, any feedback, uh, please uh, share it, and I'll try I'll try to be a better person. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, sometimes you never know. People are um, on Twitter. They're more public. They're there might be misconceptions that are out there that you're like, oh, I've said so, this, that, and the other thing, but like, let me set it straight. But it sounds so like, one, it sounds one like that it's is, not here. Yeah, one that is funny is um, uh, all the times that people tag uh, eight sleep on Twitter, I reply, and we have what is called the wall of love. So it's over a thousand reviews about the product of people that love the product and they're all public. And so when I see people, I don't know, talking about eight sleep, say, oh, is it eight sleep good or not? I jump in. And I send them the link to the wall of love. And most of the times people think that it's just a bot and it's not <laughs> me. And so they say, oh, this is the bot of the CEO. And they kind of complain and they say, no, that's not really a bot. <laughs> that's, re that's really me. And I'm proving that to you. Um, so if you see me on uh, on Twitter uh, sharing the wall of love, don't think it's a bot. It, it's really me. I mean, that's a great one. Um, and yeah, you, you're actually spending time, you're reading them, you're going through it. Um, I love it. Well, um, kind of wrapping up a little bit on um, on more advice that you might have. Are there any kind of books, podcasts, newsletters that you would really recommend around whether it's startups or health tech um, that have made a difference for you? Um yeah, there are many that I really like. In general, a high-level book is uh, The Almanac of uh, Nawal Ravikant. I think it's really good. Um, there is uh, Shoe Dog, which is the story of Nike. I think that is uh, super inspiring if you want to become an entrepreneur or if you are an entrepreneur. Um, there is, If you are in hardware, there is the book, uh, I think it's called Build, uh, from Tony Fadell, the founder of um, Nest. Um, and those are probably the first three that uh, I, I would recommend everyone to read. Definitely. Um, and on the topic of sleep, what is one thing that anyone in our audience should start doing when it comes to sleep? And what's one thing that they should stop doing? Um, two things they should start doing. One, consistency. So go to bed at the same time, wake up at the same time, trying to sleep seven to nine hours. The second is take care of the temperature. The best one is thermoregulation in your bed. Otherwise, regulate the temperature of your bedroom. Uh, the mistake most of the people do is, oh, I set the temperature at 68 degrees, so I sleep cold, and that's good. That's not true. That is a misconception. And the reason is your body temperature changes during the night, and so the temperature around you needs to change. And that is what we do with our product. So if you keep temperature at 68 degrees, might be right for the first hour of your sleep. For the other seven hours, it's going to be the wrong one. Um, and probably those. Another thing I recommend for sleep, 
particularly if you are in a hotel and if you have the chance, but um, doing a sauna and a cold plunge um, in the afternoon will help you relax a lot and you will sleep better at night. Anything that people should stop doing? Um, one thing that doesn't work for me is if you train and you work out too late, you are reactivating your body, your heart rate goes up, your body temperature goes up, and so it will be much harder to fall asleep. That is one. Another one is alcohol. Pay attention to that. Um, what you don't realize is that you might think, oh, my, my brain becomes a bit now foggier, so I'm more relaxed, I will sleep better. Reality is there is plenty of evidence and it's 100% confirmed that alcohol is going to have a negative impact on the quality of your sleep. Um, and so obviously you can have a glass of wine or a cocktail, whatever, try to leave some time in between the last drink and the time you go to bed. Um, usually is what is recommended is at least two to four hours. Perfect. Well, thank you for all that. Really appreciate you joining us, Matteo. Uh, all the insights and advice have been really helpful. Um, thank you for, for being here today. Thank you for having me. Madden and Mitchell Media.